Welcome in to the first ever Road to Dynasty Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Maples, and today I will be explaining what Dynasty Sports are, why they're better than redraft leagues, and how you should go about getting started. Dynasty Sports are a longtime passion of mine, and I think it's time to share that passion with everyone else. I'm sure every person listening at one point or another has been watching their favorite team and wondering, well, why doesn't our GM trade for this guy, or why don't we draft this guy here? Well, for most of us, Dynasty Fantasy Sports are as close as we're ever going to get. Everyone knows about your traditional redraft leagues. Draft your team, set your roster, make a couple trades, and then it's just gone. All that time you spent studying, analyzing stats, swings, listening to podcasts, all your effort is gone at the end of the season. Well, that all changes when you incorporate a Dynasty Fantasy Sports into your life. The moves you make don't affect you just for the rest of the year. They affect your team for seasons to come. This is your chance to manage deep rosters and keep most of the players from year to year. You can incorporate a salary cap, draft pick trading, and much more to make it feel like you're actually managing your own professional sports team. On this podcast, we will use all factors when it comes to assessing fantasy values. Factors such as age, contract status, analytics, film review, and team situations. We will not only be discussing players' values that are in the league right now, but we will also be taking a deep dive into the prospect pool to give you edge for years to come. Feel free to reach out to the Road to Dynasty crew on Twitter at Road to Dynasty. And without further ado, I want to welcome my longtime pal and fantasy sports analyst, Joey Snyder. Joey will be joining me today to do a quick 12-pick Dynasty Baseball mock draft to really get you thinking in terms of Dynasty strategy. We will also be answering some submitted questions at the end. Hey, Joey, what's up, Snyder? How are you doing? Hey, Chandler. Baseball's coming back. It's the start of March, and really couldn't ask for a whole lot better, honestly. Yeah, the sun's out. We don't have any snow on the ground. Pitchers and catchers are throwing bullpens. Hitters are hitting. It's honestly one of my favorite times of the year. Absolutely. And, you know, baseball coming back, too, it also marks the start of other sports like basketball and hockey getting a little bit closer getting to that playoff action. So, Whenever you can get to that part of spring, whenever you got all that going on in March, man, just kind of a segue into some of that. I mean, it's one of the best times of the year for sports, honestly. Absolutely. It's a great time to be a sports fan, that's for sure. Now, I want to let the people know we're going to try to show you how to get started in a fantasy baseball dynasty league by giving you the first 12 picks of how we might do it and why we would do make the picks we would make. So we're going to do 12 picks. We're going to rotate picks and just give you a little detail on why we're going to do what we're going to do. So I'll start it off with pick one of round one, and this is a no-brainer for me. I think Ronald Acuna needs to go off the board right away. Um, It doesn't matter if you're in a categories or points league. I think he's the only guy on this list that has a chance to put up 40 home runs and steal 30 bases. Those 30 steals, especially in a categories league, are going to be especially valuable because people chase steals every year. And it's going to be rare to get those steals and also your maybe your best power hitter. So 1-1, one, one, I'm going Ronald Acuna. And he's 23, so that's perfect for a dynasty league. I mean, you really couldn't ask for much better for a first pick there. I mean, there's a lot of good options that you can't really go wrong with, but if you're doing dynasty, Acuna's probably the way to go. But I would go for a second pick, 1.2, another outfielder. Only 22 years young, and that would be Juan Soto on the Washington Nationals, debuting only a couple of years ago, basically just taking the National League East by storm in addition with Acuna since Bryce Harper uh, departed to the Phillies. Um, last year, he led in batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage, so obviously he leads in on-base plus slugging percentage too. 
amazing for a category league that goes into those advanced stats a little bit more. And the power numbers are there as well. It, obviously, last year was a shortened year, but 13 home runs in about 50 games is pretty good stretch over the bat. Um, he had 22 home runs his rookie season, 34. I mean, he's another guy who could probably hit 40 home runs at some point in the season, too. And he's also got some stolen bases. So gives you a little bit of everything. Points in categories league, he's a guy that either one you really can't go wrong with picking him early. Yeah, I like it. I love me some Juan Soto. You make the comparison to Bryce Harper. He really is, or he's going to be, what Bryce Harper should have been. So he's already got the ring. He's outstanding player. Maybe make Bryce a little jealous over there in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, unfortunately, Bryce isn't someone who might be at the top of this list compared to years past, uh, too. I mean, we won't give away who else is in at this point yet, but... Uh, yeah, certainly Bryce Harper kind of losing some fantasy value uh, that Juan Soto has now and just taking it by storm for the Nationals. And with the first round, third pick, I'm going to go shortstop here. Give me Tatis. The kid is an absolute monster. The Padres love him. Baseball loves him. I love him. What's, what is not to love about this guy? He is the perfect combination not quite as good as Acuna but he's going to hit you some home runs and he's going to steal you some bases and that roster is loaded so you know there's going to be plenty of RBI situations for Acuna to knock some guys in whether it's he's great for points or categories he's exactly what you need up there at the top of a dynasty draft and he's 22 years old I don't know what you were doing at 22 years old but it was not leading the Padres in every major category Coming fresh off a 14-year contract extension, how many players do you think in the major leagues can be trusted with 14 years? I mean, the Padres have shown a lot of commitment to this guy. They've built the pieces around him, too. And I think that's also important in fantasy is, yeah, you can have a great player, but if they don't have the pieces around him to try to drive in runs or uh, get him to score every once in a while, his fantasy value is going to go down a couple of rounds. So Tatis is in the perfect situation. And for shortstops, I mean, with everything he does, he's clearly – probably the best one out there, and I don't really see anyone who uh, merits consideration of number one shortstop over him. But there are some that are pretty close that we might touch upon later on. <laughs> exactly. If the Padres love him that much, who am I to not love him just as much? So I'm taking him off the board at number three. All right. Well, we'll stay in the state of California for pick number four. And obviously he's getting a little up there in age now. Still in his prime, though, and that would be – Mike Trout, it's Trout season, baby. Number four pick. There's just nothing wrong with this pick right here um, at number four. I mean, in a lot of leagues, if you get Mike Trout at number one, that's amazing. So getting him at number four is uh, something else. I mean, he does everything. He hits. He gets extra base hits, home runs, RBI, stolen bases. Last year was a little bit different because batting a little bit of injuries at the end didn't have quite as many stolen bases. He's also great at, like, taking walks, and that's an underrated part of fantasy baseball for me, is that every time you can draw a walk with the leagues, I count either that stat or uh, on base percentage for some points. Um, I mean, it's huge because there's a lot of players I'll just go up and whiff and, you know, just try to go for the fences. Mike Trout doesn't really do that. At the end of the day, I think that it's pretty clear that Mike Trout is uh, one of the next players and probably the next best outfielder off the board after Acuna and Soto. Absolutely. I mean – He's Mike Trout. What else is there to say about that? And I think he's, he's getting close to 30. He's got some – he's still trying to prove people that he's maybe the best to ever do it. So I wouldn't be surprised if Trout has his best season yet uh, going into his age 30 year. So I love that pick. And, his last and I know you – go ahead. 
his last full season, 45 home runs, 104 RBIs, uh, leading the league in on-base plus slugging percentage uh, with over a 1,000 points there between those two categories. So uh, pretty remarkable. This guy does it all. And even if your league were for some reason were to count defensive stats, I mean, he's a great guy there too. And give me those gold gloves, that's for sure. You mentioned the California trend, so I'll just keep it going. Uh, give me some might call Mike Trout light, uh, Mookie Betts. Everything Trout can do, I think Mets, Betts can do too. Maybe not quite as high of a level, but he's also on the Dodgers, so that's going to be guys on base every time he steps to the plate pretty much. That uh, lineup is absolutely loaded, and Betts will give you everything you need. I know it was a short season last year. So he didn't make the all-star team, but he was an all-star in his last four years before that, led the league in runs in 2019 and 2018, and now he's in a situation where he also has a chance to lead the league in RBIs. I will happily take bets right after your trout and move on from there. Yeah, and I don't think you can really go wrong when you have that many pieces in the lineup. Honestly, when you're looking at the Dodgers for the year now, this is almost this is upgrade almost from the 2005 Cardinals where you had that MV3 of Pools, Edmonds, and Roland all in their prime. I mean, you could say, you could argue that Betts, Bellinger, and just throwing other couple guys out there. I mean, that lineup is uh, a lot more advanced and uses a lot of sabermetrics too. So the Dodgers know what's going on, and that's why whenever you pick Betts, he's usually the first one off the board. But a lot of their fantasy assets, a lot of their players are really good fantasy assets. It's just, it's so hard to find a guy that's going to hit like he does and keep his average near 300. So in a categories league, if you have a guy that's going to produce in every category, including batting average, that's extremely valuable. Absolutely. You can't go wrong for that. Well, we'll mix it up a little bit for this next pick that we have in mind. And, you know, this is kind of the point where you get off the top five players. They were all pretty obvious choices there. Now, you might need to experiment a little bit. But with this one, I'm thinking Trevor Story here for number six. A little bit of a stretch being a shortstop position. You're kind of saying that he's the next best after Tatis in that case, but let's face the reality here. Nolan Arenado is no longer on the Rockies. He's going to have all those opportunities to drive in runs. And even though they're kind of a rebuilding team, playing in Colorado, I mean, even the worst hitters can uh, get really good spike in their stats from doing that. So um, I think he'll be just fine in that situation, even though, you know, he's going to the free agency year. He's got a lot to prove. But he's also 28 years old, so you got a lot of uh, room for potential growth still and the fantasy upside. He could get traded to a contender later in the season, too, and I think um, for a lot of teams that are contending, he would be a pretty good fit there still for fantasy. And now it's not like you're going to take him to San Diego or something, but, um, I mean, if you look, if you just think about a lot of the opportunities, he could fit right into a lineup and probably be a four- or five-hitter almost. So Trevor Story does it all, stolen bases, too. On-base percentage is pretty good for a guy who hits for a lot of power, so can't go wrong there, I think, at number six. Two months ago, I would have been saying, sell all the story shares you have in a dynasty league. I was afraid that the Rockies would keep Arenado and let Story walk. And going out of Coors, that would, going out of Coors, inching towards 30, I was really thinking that could hurt Story's value. But now that they got rid of Arenado, I think they believe Story's their guy which means another four to five years of prime story, hitting in that thin air. Give me all the story you got. Absolutely. And if the Rockies can sign him to a contract and start building some guys around him, I mean, he's not going to be the only one who gets inflated fantasy value from playing in Colorado. But he certainly merits a good look there um, in your mid-rounds of a first-round draft, especially for Dynasty. Absolutely. 
And with pick number seven, I'm going to take our first pitcher off the board. This is something I learned early in my fantasy dynasty career is, especially in points league, starting pitching is key. Starting pitching will win you leagues, and I'm buying in on the Bieber fever. I think this guy at 25 years old, he might be your next up-and-coming star. You've obviously got some older guys that might have better years this year, but if you're thinking long-term, I think Bieber needs to be the first arm off the board coming off a year. I know it was short, but a 1.63 yard rate, 8-1 record. This is the guy you need as your first ace off the board. Bieber is elite, and I mean the strikeouts that he gets to – there's a lot of pitchers that you want you just want because they have good ERA or whatever, and Bieber does that too. But his ability to just get like 10 strikeouts on an average night, and the Indians will just pitch him deep into the games because their rotation needs that help and the bullpen needs that rest. I mean, they rely a lot on this guy, so your fantasy team should obviously rely a lot on Bieber as well. Absolutely. If you're going into the last day of your matchup and you're behind and you have Bieber on the mound, there's no category he can't catch you up in and you're feeling good about your position there. I would probably draft him a little bit different a couple of years ago, but yes, I would say that Bieber is probably a good pick for the first one off the board. Now, if you're thinking about going to the later stages of the first round of a dynasty draft, if you're really concerned with pitching and wanting to build someone who maybe is a little bit uh, younger than your DeGroms and your Garrett Coles a little bit, this is where you have a little bit of a toss-up pick, but I would actually go with Walker Buehler of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the reason why is now that they've signed Trevor Bauer, I think that that lifts a little bit of a load off him having to be truly carrying the team as the ace. I mean, he's got other support systems in the rotation now. You still have Clayton Kershaw, who's doing amazing in his career. But the thing with Buehler is that I'm looking at the age here. Only 26 years old. Dodgers have done a really good job of limiting his endings in a lot of situations. Uh, his last full season of 2019, he had more than 200 strikeouts, keeps the walks down relatively low, only 37 uh, from that year as well. So Bueller is a guy who's an up- rising and upcoming star. If you want to go with someone who's a little bit younger than DeGrom or Cole, because you never know what their age, what they might look like when they go into their mid-30s, Bueller's a guy you got to invest in at this point in the draft of a dynasty. I've liked Bueller for a long time. I'm not super, super high on him this year just because the Dodgers have so many arms that they don't have to overwork him. But long-term dynasty outlook, he's definitely in the top three starting pitchers that I'd want on my team. I don't think you can go wrong with him. He's an absolute stud in the making. And once he gets that workload, he'll pay off for wherever you draft him. Let's swing it over to my ninth pick, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Freddie Freeman off the board. Yes, he's got that three in front of his age, so it's a little concerning. He's 31 years old, but the dude just hits. Had 23 doubles last year to lead the league, 51 runs scored. For for a big guy, man, he can run. He's, he scores runs like crazy. If I have that guy anchoring down first base, I'm good to go. And you may not think so, but first base is a little weak in fantasy compared to how it normally is. Usually first baseman, you can get a good first baseman at pick 15. That's just not the situation right now. So I'll take Freeman off the board. That's a draft him and just set him at first base and never move him, and I'm good to go. Right, and going back to your point about having players that um, in first base usually having like loaded that position in the past. I mean, those were like the years, like 10 years ago, when you had Albert Pujols, Prince Fielder, Joey Votto, guys like that in their prime who would just rack up the stats. I mean, that's when you wanted to draft first base early. You might be able to win on that in a little bit of cases here, but you, if you have a t- chance to get Freeman, especially in the first round, that's not a bad pick right there. 
The Atlanta offense, too, I mean, that is almost just about as deep as the Dodgers, especially after bringing Marcelo Zuna back last year who just hits. So Freeman's going to score a lot. He's also going to be the guy who drives in a lot, too, because he's got Cunha hitting ahead of him. Talk about Cunha. Gets on base, steals second, Freeman knocks him in. It's easy as that. Absolutely. So I'm going to go with another guy for pick 10 here who's a little bit younger, also plays first base, but he can also play the outfield, too, and probably this is about a pick for a dynasty league more so than a redraft league, but I wouldn't take him too much more further down in a redraft league either, and that's Cody Bellinger, uh, the 2019 MVP for the National League. Yeah, he had a little bit of a down year last year, but let's face it, this dude is almost a complete package when you want someone in fantasy baseball. I love the dual position eligibility, especially for first base being a little bit of a weaker position. But outfield, too, if you um, go to a later stage of the draft and people are just taking outfielders off the board, well, then you can decide to plug them in there in your lineup a little bit more and maybe try to draft someone at first base is a little bit more underrated, like Matt Olson or something. And he does it all, too. I mean, the batting average in his MVP year, above 300, on base plus slugging percentage, over 1,000. Stolen bases, He um, his last three full seasons, uh, he had at least 10 stolen bases in all of them, too. So maybe not as much as in Acuna uh, in that case. But, I mean, I love the raw power there as well, 47 home runs in 2019. Be- Bellinger is pretty complete when it really comes to uh, Dynasty Outlook. And guess what his age is? Only 25 years old. So about as old as I am here. But, um, you know, when you're looking at fancy prospects and you're looking at a guy's uh, ceiling, Bellinger is uh, right up there for Dynasty. I like it. Love that pick, Joe. And I'm going to match your MVP outfielder with one of my own. And it was another guy that had a a little bit of a down 2020 in Christian Yelich. But, I mean, 2020 was the equivalent of two months. Plenty of guys get off to slow starts by the end of May, and then they're ready to rack up their MVP stats for the rest of the year. So I'm just not buying too far into those 2020 stats. I think he's due for a big bounce back. He is a little bit older. Again, another 31-year-old player. But he's got plenty of good years left. And he's got, say goes off this year, you could trade him for two or three great players. Make sure you make those deals work. And those that's that's the best part about Dynasty Leagues is you can make these trades in the offseason and really go from Yelich making your team great to go finding somebody else that's going to make your team even better. I'm, I'm happy with Yelich here. I think he's due for a big bounce back, and he's going to lead the, the Brewers to maybe another bounce back playoff season. Yeah, and, you know, I think the Brewers got a lot to play for, too. Um, last season, obviously, they're often struggling a lot. Um, but, you know, you've got some pop in there now with Keston Hiura, um, and you got Colton Wong going over to second base, too. So you've got a guy who's um, Yelch can finally have some pieces around him to where um, he doesn't have to feel a lot of pressure like he has um, maybe last year. But 2019 and 2018, Christian Yelich is pretty hard to beat when it comes to fantasy, fantasy and dynasty appeal there. And, Obviously, another long contract with the Milwaukee Brewers shows that they've got so much trust in him. He's going to be a guy putting up the points for years to come. I know it's off topic, but you mentioned Hura there. He did a three-run bomb yesterday. Maybe he's turned into that third-base power hitter. What do you think about that? Absolutely. And, you know, he's going to be a guy later in the season, too, that about that positional eligibility. Yeah, he might lose second base after this season unless Wong gets hurt. But let's face it. I mean, anytime you can draft a guy who plays multiple positions and it seems pretty realistic for where he's at in that point of the draft. Take him. It's a dynasty or um, uh, redraft leagues. I mean, you can't go wrong there. Because if somebody gets hurt in your playoff later on and you only have one of that position, good luck finding someone good on the waiver wire there. So, I like Hero this year. Long, Big-time 
uh, prospect pedigree. Maybe this is the year he breaks out and get that pressure off playing second base. He can just play third and rake. Well, kind of transitioning. So let's say that we were to end this uh, first round of a dynasty pick with pick number 12. Now, some teams will, some leagues will go a little bit longer. Some will go a little bit shorter. But if you have the last pick of a fantasy baseball round for a dynasty, you got to start thinking, okay, who's going to be the guy who I can start with and then uh, start trying to build some assets from there around him who are pretty good. And a lot of these leagues, unless you just don't do snake leagues, you would have the next pick as well. So there's a lot of options. But I think if you're rounding off the first round, you got to go with a guy like Trey Turner. Um, and he does a lot of it too. Obviously, the power numbers aren't there compared to someone like a Mike Trout or for his position's sake, um, a Tatis or a Story. But, I mean, what you got to love about this guy is just the con- pure contact that he's got. 78 hits in the shortened season last year, leading all of Major League Baseball. He steals bases too. 2018, he led the league with 43 stolen bases. And, I mean, when you get the type of player who – um, as a spark plug at a lot of the beginning of the lineup. Um, he's got Soto, another MVP candidate around him. Um, he really just can't go wrong. I mean, Trey Turner, yeah, he only played shortstop. Yeah, might not be the flashiest guy to end the first round with. But at the end of the day, he's a pretty safe bet to get you those stats that you need to um, ultimately build up points or categories. I like that. Solid way to end the 12-pick draft. And I know people may be thinking, oh, what can we get out of just 12 picks? It was not about so much building your team, but it was about we want to put you in the dynasty mindset of why we drafted the guys where we did and what made us make those decisions. That was the point of that, and I hope you got what we were thinking on why we drafted guys in certain certain positions there. Absolutely. In dynasty leagues, if you aren't in one now, you should really try this, experiment with some of your friends, whether it's baseball or any of the other leagues like football, hockey, basketball too. I mean, it's just kind of cool to see how – the different mindset is uh, because you might not draft a player who's really considered the greatest of all time with it. You might just think a little bit more of like, okay, how am I trying to build this to build a franchise? And as you explained earlier, I mean, that's the fun about uh, dynasty sports is you're kind of in control of a general manager of long-term outlook of how your team's going to look rather than just one season in case, you know, there were a lot of players that were to get injured in those cases. Dynasty leagues, if you aren't in one yet, you need to join it. You need to do it. Chandler and I have had a blast with it for five plus years now. So Exactly. Growing up, I would go out and buy the the newest MLB The Show game, and I would just start my franchise, be like, I'm going to build the perfect team, and I'm going to beat everybody. And now this is kind of my new way of doing it, is building my own dynasty team, making trades, trading draft picks. It's just so much better than redraft, where it's not just six months of building a team, and then that's it forever. It's you're building your own organization and franchise. And the other thing, too, is a little bit different with uh, some of these uh, um, dynasty leagues is that keepers might be a little bit different. So some cases it might only be a couple of keepers where the first round is a lot of those players that have gone off and were probably just keeper worthy in the first place. Sometimes it's a little bit more like if you have a team with like 30 or 40 players, you might keep like 20 of them or something like we do in one league. So you never know. It's going to be a little bit different for each one. But these are the type of things you got to think about whenever you're in a dynasty league and trying to build that team long-term that you wanted to be at the top year after year after year. Correct. And we can go ahead and move on to our question segment. I wanted to keep this kind of brief just to get you in the dynasty mindset and maybe get you to push that button and join that dynasty league or start one up with your friends. I promise you it'll be worth it. So question number one I've got from our Twitter page at road to dynasty on Twitter. It says, Hey gang thoughts on punting the catcher position 
and just taking whoever's there with my last pick, and that comes from Ryan. What do you think about that, Joey? I know catcher's a little weak. What do you think about just saying, I'm going to build everywhere else and get whatever catcher's left at the end of the draft? Catcher is the one position that I refuse to keep in fantasy baseball unless I just got someone who's elite there. If you got JT Real Muto, great. If you got a lot of other guys, I wouldn't put a lot of stock into it. There is just not enough pure talent for fantasy and points at that position that is really making me think, wow, this is a really good steal here. Brand name recognition, like obviously Molina and the Posies, but they're getting older. And even someone like Salvador Perez, who had a good season last year too, is getting older. So if you can't get a guy who um, is consistently getting you the points or the categories that you need at catcher, I would just wait until pretty close to the last round. You might be able to get someone like a Christian Vasquez from the Boston Red Sox who does a lot of it anyways by that point. Or maybe someone like Wilson Ramos too from Detroit who's not the flashiest guy in the world, but in a lineup that's rebuilding and the chance to get traded over to another team, he might be a good guy as well. So, yeah, catchers, if you can't get them early, uh, try to draft them at some point, a little bit in the later rounds. Definitely. Mid to late rounds, I think that's a – if you're not getting real Muto, then you might as well wait towards the mid to late rounds and get a guy that's going to service you well, but he's not going to win you your league either, but he's probably not going to lose it for you. Yeah, Vasquez is the guy I love in that situation. So I'll uh, turn the question right back to you, Chandler. Maybe a little bit different. Go with this when we're talking about positions early on. We'll go from catchers to their battery mates and starting pitchers. How aggressive do you need to be with starting pitchers, especially once you got the guys who are elite, the Beavers, the Buellers, DeGroms, Cole? Once those guys go, go off the board, what is your mindset and thinking for drafting starting pitchers? After you get past the first tier of starting pitchers, I think maybe target a couple in that second tier and then really hit the third tier hard. I know get the quantity over quality when it comes to that tier. The more arms, the better chance you have a guy having a career year or maybe just taking off to stardom and moving up to that tier one or tier two. I think don't press too hard at those middling guys that want to be DeGrom or Bieber. Get those guys in tier three that could turn into that, but isn't going to cost you an arm on the leg either. This is where I love someone, and I hate uh, tatting up Cubs a lot, but this is where I love someone like Kyle Hendricks as he just goes out there and a lot of starts – We'll give you the inning. So even if he has a bad game, guess what? He's going to be out there for a long time and still uh, make up for his strikeouts and other things later on, too. So maybe that's where you would assess something like a Jack Flaherty-type situation as well and think, okay, yeah, this guy really has elite talent, but uh, can we wait on him a little bit because he's struggled a little bit in ERA and some other things and um, is maybe pressing in some situations to be the ace of the St. Louis Cardinals. So, yeah, like you said, I think I like your strategy for starting pitchers there. You can never go wrong with having um, a team that has 10, 12, maybe even more in some cases, if your uh, league allows that. Yes, exactly. I will admit my biggest mistake when I first started Dynasty Leagues was not hitting starting pitching hard enough. And that quickly, as soon as we started the league, we realized the guy that went after starting pitching had the best team in the league. Find those aces, find those guys with high ceiling, and go get them. At least you had Jacob DeGrom, so that was good from the start. <laughs> but that's about all I had, and it, it hurt. That'll get you a third or fourth place finish. If you want to win the thing, go get you two or three of those guys if you can. And I think that'll segue right into my next question. It's funny, you, you were talking about starting pitching. That was question number two from Sam on Twitter. How many aces should you target in a Dynasty League draft, Joey? Well, I think the term aces can be a little loose sometimes. It really depends what type of league you have, too. Is it one where... You know, you're trying to get a guy that just gets pure points and puts up a lot of innings and gets those outs and stuff so you can build that up, or are you trying to get more equity out of it and get 
the categories, like the strikeouts, the ERAs, and other things. Because um, someone like Garrett Cole got a lot of points last year, but yeah, his ERA wasn't the best as well. But I would still consider him an ace, and it really just depends on how you make the tiers too for your team. So um, once you kind of get past that first tier, then I, what I would do is just start looking at who are the team's opening day starters right now. Where do they rank among the other ones? And can this be a guy where I can plug him in in a two or three spot on my team and he can still be serviceable and get me to a championship? So in that case, I might look at someone like is Zach Granke from the Houston Astros and still consider him an ace. In other cases, maybe from a different standpoint, I, I love Trevor Bauer. I love the signing for him to the Dodgers, but maybe that's someone there where you have to take back the ace turn a little bit before he can go ready. He had an elite season last year, but a lot of other seasons he's had an ERA over four. So just temper your expectations with whoever, but make sure you're looking at the number one ace and maybe the number two aces at all teams as well. I like it. Good answer, Joe. All right. So I'll segue over to another question for, uh, question for you. Don't say catchers in the situation, so we already talked about it a little bit, but what is the position that you can just kind of wait on fantasy baseball this year, saying, okay, if I don't get him in the first couple of rounds, it's okay. Uh, let's wait till maybe the ninth, tenth round, or maybe even the last pick, and just pick someone up there who gets you uh, the points and the categories that you're going to need. Can I talk about pitchers, or is that just a positional player question? If you'd like to, but I think we should touch upon uh, position players. If we're going to position players, I think – the cop-out answer is going to be outfield, just because, I mean, every team starts three outfielders, so there's just so much more depth to that position. I think you can find guys in that mid to late round who are going to be almost as good as the guys you're taking early on. I mean, you, you're going to get guys like Charlie Blackman's going to fall down the board. I think he's a great pick. I mean, just due to pure depth of the outfield position, I think that is the position you don't need to feel, fill right away. And just a caveat, if we're going to talk pitchers, it's relief pitchers because every year you're going to have a guy break out and like a Devin Williams last year. Did anyone have them on their draft boards last year? No. And then he had this crazy year and was one of the best relief pitchers in baseball scooped off free agency. So definitely wait on your relief pitchers. And I think you can also wait on outfielders. Yeah. I would just piggyback on that too and say, if you do have a chance to get a relief pitcher at a good spot, like Liam Hendricks or someone who's pretty similar to uh, the stats that they put up with that, uh, go ahead and do it because, I mean, if you got someone who's got a pretty good solidified role in the bullpen, then that makes it uh, well more worthwhile. But otherwise, yeah, you can wait. Who do the Cardinals even have as their closer this year? Is it going to be Jordan Hicks? I don't know. You might be able to scoop him up with your last pick in some leagues. Absolutely. Who wouldn't want 104 as their last relief pitcher? Definitely a good player to target there. So it's your turn for a question, isn't it? One more for me? It is. It is my turn. I've got one more for you. It's going to be – you might have to think about it for a second, but Brandon wants to know, give me a breakout arm who wasn't top 25 last year that could finish that way this year. Ooh, okay. Just kind of brainstorming my head and repeating some thoughts. I think in a lot of cases you want to have someone who gets you quality innings and is going to go deep into the games. You don't want someone who's kind of – Struggling with command, who's going to maybe be a little unreliable, get pulled and starts early, because that just doesn't do anyone good in categories. Or um, do, you, do you want to hear mine? I've got one. It took me a minute, but I thought of one. It's not – this is a guy you want if you love your roster, and you're like, I'm going to be one pitcher away from winning this thing. I want Lance Lynn, because on a year where everybody hardly pitched last year, I think everybody's going to pitch less innings, but Lance Lynn's going to go out there, and he's going to pitch you six or seven innings a night. 
rack up the points, rack up the strikeouts. And I think he's a guy that could go from somebody nobody's talking about to be like, yeah, Lance Lynn's giving me 25 points every night, and I'm happy to start him. Okay, I got two that I want to say here, if that's okay. Um, go right ahead. Different leagues, I have them in different ones. Um, first one, maybe not as much of an ace as Lance Lynn, but Jose Barrios from the Minnesota Twins. They love using this guy uh, in a lot of innings. His strikeout rate is pretty good. And he's been getting better at controlling the walk in those situations, too. And the Twins are a team that's going to win a lot this year. So they got to rely on him to go deeper into the games. I think the AL Central, which you'll play pretty often, is still pretty weak, even with the Royals getting a little bit better. You still play the Tigers however many times. The Indians lost a lot of big pieces in their lineup. And he's going to play them a lot, so he's got a good opportunity to get points there um, as well. And also playing the AL Central this year, too. There's probably a good chance he's going to play the Pittsburgh Pirates at least once or twice. So... Those are the type of things you got to think about, the opponents that you can play there. Berrios definitely has bounce back potential to get top 25. The other guy I would go with, and it really depends on how the team plays around him, is Herman Marquez from the Colorado Rockies. I love his strikeout numbers, and he goes deep into the games as well. Even in times where the Rockies were struggling a little bit last year, Marquez gave him the innings they needed. He got uh, four wins, which is, you know, okay in a season like that. Got Quite a few quality starts as well. So Marquez and Barrios, those are two guys that are maybe a little bit under the radar a little bit where they might be borderline top 25 players, but definitely got the potential to be a little bit closer to top 10 by the time the season's done. Marquez is a guy I would like to see pitch for a different team. If he didn't have to pitch half of his games in Colorado, I think we'd be definitely talking about him in the top 20, top 15, but he's just hampered with that ballpark and it brings down his value. But, yeah, I love the call. He's got the stuff to rack up the strikeouts and really rack up the points. Absolutely. If we're talking bounce-back pitchers, too, I think Max Scherzer is a guy you want to target at some point. Maybe don't chase him too quickly, but last year those stats were a little bit um, inflated, but he's a guy who is one of a lot to prove in this last year with the Nationals. I think that uh, Washington's built a better team around him. And, obviously, he's got some aces, too, that can uh, take off a little bit of pressure. So uh, those three right there are pitchers that I think have some good – uh, opportunities to maybe turn some of last year's struggles into a guy who can take you to the championship for fantasy. Yeah, and I know I said Lynn, he was ranked a little bit higher than the question asked, so I'm going to go Julio, Julio Urias. I think he showed yes. what he can do in the po- he showed what he can do in the playoffs, and as long as the Dodgers don't make him the closer, I think he has proved to show it this year in the rotation. His stuff is nasty. This is going to be the year of Julio. Okay, last question from me to you. And all these ones that I've had, you've gotten from Twitter. I've gotten mine from CBS uh, Sports Experts and Fantasy Baseball there. So thank you so much for those guys. Uh, they do a good job with their rankings too, even though we use ESPN for a lot of their uh, services. So my last question is, 2020, when you're assessing what players had there, how much stock do you put that into a draft for 2021? Because right now, a lot of players only played like 60 games last year at most. You know, you didn't really get a – a uh, picture of what they could have had had the season started on time and went from April to October. So what do you look at from their stats last year and take into consideration for 2021? Well, to me, it depends on if they're an old guy with a proven track record like Yelich who had a down year, I I take almost nothing from it. It was a guy that got off to a slow start, and in a season like that, a slow start meant you had a bad year. Now, on the other hand, if it's a young guy who came up and had a great season – He's showing he can compete at this level, and he has got the stuff to keep doing it. So if he, if 
to answer your question, if the guy was proven before last year, I have no worries if they struggled. If they had a great year, great. And if it was a young guy that came up and had a great season, just more reason to buy in and think they could continue that long term. What about is that someone where maybe a Randy Rosarina would kind of fall for the Rays? Yes, but his was even his is a little, little harder to answer because it wasn't the whole year. It was about a month, including the playoffs. So he's a little hard. He didn't have the full two month sample size that some of the other guys did. So that is the trickiest guy that I have to rank right now in fantasy baseball. Yeah. So that, that, that's a great right question. But if you can find a good spot for him late in your outfield, I, that's a guy who I think could be a steal later on. Man, he can hit a fastball. That That's all the questions I have. Do you want to wrap this thing up, Joe? Well, I, I think that this is the time of year where if you're looking at your fantasy baseball leagues and um, you're thinking, man, I've just kind of not had a lot of excitement over the last couple of years of this. What can we do to change it? Dynasty is the way to go. It's a way where you can kind of be a little bit more in control of what you want to do. It's a way where once you get to July and if you're kind of out of contention, you can still make valuable trades and things that, you know, build up toward your future. Maybe get draft picks or younger players or something. Redraft leagues don't allow that pretty often. So I think Dynasty is the way of a lot of future for fantasy sports. I either have a few keepers or multiple keepers for a lot of the leagues I'm in now, and I really don't see myself going to. A lot of redrafts unless we're going with the intention of going to a dynasty league at some point. Exactly. The point of this episode wasn't so much to show you where we draft guys or what what we thought of these rankings. It was to get you in this mindset of dynasty and why we love it so much. We want to share this great experience we've had with everyone else out there and show them why I'm personally loving talking football trades in the middle of February. It's because the dynasty leagues never stop and you get to you get to live that GM life that most of us are probably never going to get to live in real life. And I hope this made you at least think about joining one, starting one up. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Twitter. We'd be happy to answer more questions for you. And we hope this this really brings your fantasy game to another level. And this isn't just baseball. We're talking football, hockey, basketball, anything you want to start. Do it, Dynasty. Dynasty's better. And... I think that's a perfect thing to end on. Absolutely. At some point, we'll have to talk about core four, but right now, we're just going to wrap it up here with baseball. Start with your dynasty leagues with baseball, then think about what you want to do with them in the future. That's a that's a great tease. We'll talk about that later on a future episode. We plan on doing these probably once a week, maybe maybe more often if breaking news starts happening. But thank you for listening to episode one. This was Road to Dynasty Sports.